is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Hey, welcome, welcome, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It is Talkback for this Wednesday. And Talkback brought to you this morning by Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery. Authentic New York bagels and pastries all the way from Little Italy can be found right here in good old Garden City at Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery on North Reserve. And also brought to you by Phillips Janitorial, offering residential and commercial cleaning. Hey, you've got a big job, you got a small job, give them a call. No job too big or small. The number for a free estimate is 406-260-6617. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Okay, we have a special treat for you today, a special edition, I guess, of the Montana World Affairs Council on the radio. Our friend Bob Seidenschwartz joining us here today, sir. Good, good morning. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Nick. And uh, good morning. Chili Missoula. Yes, sir. Yeah. And that's Nick over there waiting to take your phone calls. Good morning. But he's waiting for a very special phone call to come in right now, right? Yeah, we're waiting so, for our guest yes, to yes, give us a call. And I am emailing him right now to ah. say, what's up? <laughs> wake right. up, wake up. Well, allow me to regale you with the yeah. information about our guest. His name is Robert Bryce. He's a Texas-based author, journalist, film producer, and podcaster, the host of the Power Hungry podcast. Bryce has been writing about energy, power, innovation, and politics for more than 30 years now. His articles have appeared in a myriad of publications, including The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, Forbes, Time, Austin Chronicle, and The Sydney Morning Herald. His sixth book, by the way, A Question of Power, Electricity, and the Wealth of Nations, was published in 2020 by Public Affairs. He's also the producer of a feature-length documentary called film called Juice, How Electricity Explains the World, which is available on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and numerous other streaming platforms. He lives in Austin with his wife, who's an art teacher, photographer, and master potter. So there you go. So, gentlemen, I have been in contact with him consistently yes. here, even as of yes. late yesterday. So uh, I'm expecting his call. If you would just excuse me for a minute. Sure. I will call and get his cell number. It is not it, on Yeah, the, I believe it's right here. Is it? Okay. Yeah, there it is. Let's, uh, want Nick, me, want me Nick to give him up? a call. I All knew right. I wrote that thing down. <laughs> and I'm like, gosh, I always come so prepared. So, um, yeah, yeah and, and Peter, this conversation couldn't be more timely right now because of... Um, not new news today, but and I don't think anybody should have been surprised, but China has made it public that they will assist Russia with munitions and arms uh, in their fight against Ukraine. So an, another escalation of the situation. And I guess while this opportunity presents itself. Um, well, we have we have one superpower helping out the Ukrainians. Now, another superpower is helping out the Russians, who, is, who are already their own, I guess, superpower. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and this is an old... Look, this, after World War II, there, there was one superpower in the world, the United States. Right. Russia has atomic weapons, but militarily and economically, because of the devastation, it was really just a, a unipolar world. We move into the 50s, we move into the 60s, and that changes between now you have Russia and the United States. Again, principally because of their ability to and capability with nuclear weapons. And we've got Robert on air. So, Robert, good morning to you. All right, let's get him on. Push a button. Good morning. Good morning, Robert. How are you? Welcome, sir. 
Hi, good morning to you. Thanks for having me on. All right, there we go. <laughs> Bob Bob has to put his headphones on. And I am I'm being challenged right now. That's, so. that's okay. okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. All right, good deal. Uh, Robert, can you um you're welcome to uh Blustery, Missoula, Montana. We're glad to be with you today. So, Robert, tell us a little bit ab- about yourself. Uh, I, I had a chance to to kind of read your uh, very, very s- short uh, biography that, that you were kind enough to, to furnish to Bob. But it sounds like you have lived a fascinating life and uh, with, with a myriad of various activities and interests. And now we're, we're specifically talking about power uh, with the conversation we're having today, Bob. Yeah, so, Robert, if you could... Bring us up to speed, uh, kind of pivoting off of what Peter was asking here in terms of, obviously, an accomplished uh, writer, uh, podcast, lecturer. Uh, How did you come to this place in your life? Uh, Was there something specific that happened several years ago or decades ago that really brought you to this very and incredibly complicated issue that we're going to be talking about today? Well, sure. Well, again, thanks for having me on. Uh, just a quick introduction. I live in Austin, Texas. Uh, first things first, I'm a proud hus- husband and father. Uh, my wife, Lauren, and I have been together 40 years, and we have three great kids, Mary, Michael, and Jacob. So those are the most important things in my life. Um, I am also a, a podcaster, author, journalist, filmmaker. Uh, I've written six books. My latest is called A Question of Power, Electricity, and the Wealth of Nations. I'm the host of the Power Hungry podcast. Um, and my documentary is called Juice, How Electricity Explains the World. And uh, maybe we can talk about my new documentary, which I'm working on. In fact, I'm leaving for Japan Friday morning to see the nuclear sector in Japan. So I'm excited about that. Uh, but how did I come to this? Well, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and my dad was in the insurance business. But uh, I was all around the energy business from the time I was a kid. And from 30 years ago now, as a journalist, I've been reporting on energy and power systems and uh now I'm particularly focused on electricity and the electric grid because this is our most important network and it is being undermined by a lot of bad policy and bad incentives. So um, this is uh, some of the reason why I'm going to, to Japan. I'm adamantly pro-nuclear, uh, but also, you know, we're also seeing uh, what, what is clearly this administration, and I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat, this administration is the most anti-hydrocarbon administration in American history, and that is deeply concerning. So uh, there's uh, several different topics here to kind of frame this discussion around. Uh, Unfortunately, with what's happening right now with Russia, Ukraine, and now China uh, kind of throwing their hat into the uh, fray here, publicly announcing they're going to be providing munitions and military equipment. Europe was and is right at the forefront of this in terms of their dependency upon Russian oil and gas. Uh, Let's start with that, and then we can kind of back into the United States, because I think there's some similarities that you can probably draw upon. Sure. Well, so let's talk about Europe first. Um, It's imperative that we're at a year after Russia's, this week marks the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And the blame here obviously lies solely with Russia for this action. But let's also be clear that Europe had driven itself into the ditch before the invasion. I testified before the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee in November of 2021, and I noted then that European industries were already shutting down because of high energy prices. What, and so what did Europe do even before Putin's invasion of Ukraine? They committed what I call the fatal quadfecta. They overinvested in, in renewables. They underinvested in hydrocarbons. They shut down their coal and nuclear plants, and they made themselves too dependent on imports. And those imports, of course, are the, uh, the natural gas and oil that were coming from Russia. So 
uh, Europe screwed itself. They drove themselves into the ditch, and now they are paying a heavy price. Uh, Bloomberg reported that the excess energy costs in Europe already are amounting to over a trillion dollars since the war began. So this is very serious, and it's not going to be resolved in any any kind of short order. It's going to be years for Europe to crawl out of this mess, and some of the countries in Europe are in worse shape than others, with Britain perhaps being among the European uh, uh, major powers, the one that's in the worst shape. Tell you what, Robert, we're up against a break. We have this commercial program, so we need to take a break, make some money. We're going to come right back. Our guest on the phone right now is Robert Bryce, and we are going to continue. By the way, we do have another a caller that wants to visit with you already, but the phone lines are open at 721-1290. This is the topic that affects all of us. We'll be back with more of Talk Back right after this. Hey, bro. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic, safe, effective, even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit FDA.gov slash generic drugs. Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that. Okay, we're back on TalkBack. 721-1290 is our number, 1-800-568-5309. I'm Peter Christian, Bob Seidenschwartz here. And, of course, uh, Nick Christensen is handling the phones. Joining us on the phone right now is is uh, is Robert Bryce. And we do have a caller on the line waiting. So, uh, Susan, you're on with Mr. Bryce. Go ahead, please. Well, I'd like to frame this conversation with the fact that Two years ago, when we had Donald Trump as our president, these very out-of-control, evil governments were not rattling their sabers and causing the problems that we're having now. And I think it's very noticeable that the world understands we have an extremely weak president that is not in control of his faculties. And... I've been overseas twice in 2022, and even taxi cab drivers and people that cleaned my room hey, Susan, would come do, up do to me and a, say, what is I'm wrong sorry. with the United States? Susan, do you have a specific question so, for Robert? We, we, we only, only have, have him for 45 minutes. We only have him for an hour. No, so. I just want him to, I, I'm not, I don't have a question. I want him to comment on the state of affairs okay. in the United States with a demented president all right okay. thanks susan so, robert robert you're up go ahead sir uh, well again i'll say i'm not a, i'm not a democrat i'm not a republican i'm disgusted and i am disgusted and been disgusted for a long time what concerns me more than just this president or this administration and i wrote about this on my Substack uh just on saturday robertbrice.substack.com is this emergence of the anti-industry industry. And make no mistake, you know, there is this, this, these claims ongoing by the Sierra Club and these uh, NGOs, these climate activist groups, that somehow the hydrocarbon sector is preventing progress on renewables. This is exactly, uh, it's not true, first. Second, what is clear is the oil and gas industry, the hydrocarbon sector is being completely outspent. As I, I note in my piece, the anti-industry industry, the NGOs that are uh, the climate activists, anti-nuclear, anti uh, pro-renewable, anti-hydrocarbon groups are spending $4.5 billion a year. Their revenue is four and a half times as much as what is being spent by the pro-hydrocarbon and pro-nuclear sector. So 
I'm not saying the Biden administration isn't important. What the bigger story and the one that is more important and I think it is a true threat to American prosperity is this unaccountable, the rise of this unaccountable um, uh, nonprofit sector that is in, aimed at undermining the foundation of American prosperity. And I take no joy in saying that, but they, their goal is, many of them say it very clearly, we want to shut down the domestic hydrocarbon sector. And they don't have a solution, and they're not going to bear the, the, the pain or the cost if they achieve that. But this administration is important, but the bigger and I think the more important story is the rise of this anti-industry industry, which I call the NGO industrial corporate climate complex. Uh, so, Robert, let me take what you're saying and go back to something you said just before the break. Europe has spent, you said, about a trillion dollars in costs. What specifically were you describing? Well, sure. So now let's be clear. The natural gas prices have come down dramatically mm -hmm. since August when in Europe at the TTF trading hub, which is our it would be the Europe's equivalent of Henry Hub here in the U.S., uh, natural gas prices hit about $100 per million BTUs. Now, they've come down dramatically. I don't know what they are today, but probably uh, $15 or so. Uh, Henry Hub's at under, it was under $2 yesterday, which is just remarkable. But so the European countries have had to pay this vast, huge increase in costs uh, for natural gas, which is the underpinning of their entire industrial sector and much of their electricity production. And that has, of course, then filtered through to the rest of the economy. And further, they're going to have to be much more dependent on liquefied natural gas, imported LNG, which is far more expensive than the, the gas that they were getting by pipeline from Russia. But now Nord Stream pipeline has been blown up. They're not going to be getting more natural gas from Russia. Mm. Um, so these are structural issues now for all of Europe that are going to be very difficult to overcome. And frankly, you know, Bob and Peter, these, they're going to have to start drilling. They are going to have to start drilling, and they have to start doing it soon. But, you know, there's a lot of opposition, again, from in Europe in particular, from this, uh, I don't call them green groups, I don't call them environmental groups, they're the NGO industrial corporate climate complex. So Europe is going to have to use more LNG. Who's going to be shipping that LNG to Europe, and will the United States, in terms of its drillers and LNG producers, will they be benefiting from this? Because this market is not going away now. Well, that's a great question, Bob, and a lot of that LNG is going to be coming from the U.S. I mean, this has become one of a key part of the U.S. natural gas sector that uh, by, what is it, 2025, I think, yes, in about less than two years now, uh, U.S. LNG export capacity will be about 20 billion cubic feet per day. When we're producing now, I don't know what the latest number is, between 90 and 100 BCF a day. So roughly a fifth of U.S. gas production could be going overseas. And of that, and of that amount, that 20 Bs a day, a lot of that is going to be going, going to Europe. I don't know that exact number. But remember, that's much more expensive than, than, than pipeline gas from Russia. But you know, again, the, the Europeans did this to themselves. The Brits quit drilling in the North Sea. They, you know, said, oh, we don't need, you know, there's this, the, the Green Party in Germany is very strong. They're very politically powerful. They effectively said, oh, we don't need hydrocarbons. We're going to do it all with wind and solar. And now they're finding out that this, they're, they're getting a big dose of energy realism and they're finding themselves in the ditch. And it's going to be very painful. We're up against a break, Robert. I, I, I'm really interested. You're talking about uh, uh, liquefied natural natural gas going from America to, to Europe. 
What about us? Do, 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 do those of us here in the hinterlands of Montana, where it's five degrees above zero right now, are we going to be able to say that we have enough to keep ourselves warm, even while we're shipping all this overseas? So we'll, we'll continue. By the way, phone lines are open at 721-1290. You want to visit with Robert Bryce? Uh, we'll be right back after this. Stock market traders. Unused prescription opioid pain medicines can spell trouble. They can spell risk if taken by someone they weren't prescribed for, harm if accidentally taken by a child or pet, or overdose if they're not used as directed. Safely dispose of opioids before they can hurt your family. Find a drug take-back option such as medicine drop boxes. You may find these in your community at local pharmacies or police stations. Visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends, surprise parties, camps, birthdays. The same way you plan for the important moments, start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Get started at ready.gov slash plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. We are back on Talk Back, the Montana World Affairs Council on the radio. Uh, joining us on the phone right now is, is Robert Bryce. And we do have Jeff, who's been waiting very patiently. Jeff, what's your question for Mr. Bryce? Go ahead. Okay, good morning, all. I apologize for the road noise. I'm on my way to an appointment. But uh, finally, a voice of sanity that points out that our energy policy has been ruled by, uh, by immaturity, idiocy, and actual malevolence. Um, I, I I don't think I've heard that before on the program, and I appreciate that. My question, I have actually two questions. One is about natural gas infrastructure in the United States, and particularly the reluctance of the Northeast, New England, to uh, put in any new pipeline for additional capacity. Is reality going to win out there, or are they still going to uh, want to increase their local rates? And then... The second question involves the, uh, the electric grid and the fact that the grid is divided into multiple parts, with Texas essentially having its own electric grid over with interconnects, interconnects to the rest of the country. And um, do you have any, uh, do you talk about the, uh, the U.S. grid and vulnerabilities and ways to harden it and improve it? All right. Thanks, Jeff. Sure. Uh, go ahead. We have about uh, three, three and a half minutes. Go ahead. No, pro- no problem. This will only take half, half an hour. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So let me start with the grid. There's no doubt that the grid is vulnerable, and we've seen just in the last few months some attacks by some bad actors uh, that have have you know pumped uh, uh, rifle rounds in, in, into transformers. Let's be clear: this our electric grid is vulnerable overall, both to severe weather, to acts of terrorism, vandalism, um, and we have to be conscious of that. And we can't, you know, we can't harden all of it, and that's a, a key vulnerability. Regarding the different uh, interconnects, there's the eastern interconnect, the western interconnect, and there's Texas. I'm from Oklahoma. I'm not here to brag about Texas, but do not expect Texas to interconnect with the rest of the grid in the U.S. Um, is that a problem? I don't think so. There are island grids all over the world. They work fine. What you have to do when you have an island grid or any grid is you have to make sure you have enough capacity and that it's a resilient and reliable grid. And so what we're, you know, in the Texas legislature, there's still a lot of, of 
debate now about how to make sure that we have more reliability. It's an incredibly difficult problem because they, of the deregulation that they pushed through uh, under George W. Bush back now more than 20 years ago. So that's been one final point on the grid. I, I don't believe we should have a national grid. I think the fact that we have isolated grids is actually a positive thing for energy security. Why? Because if you're a bad guy and you think you can take down the entire U.S. grid and you can by just harming one part of it, well, that I think having isolated grids is actually a benefit. Regarding the Northeast, again, this is just incredibly detailed and you know what we could get into here, but the 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 prevention of new of construction of new gas pipelines into the Northeast has left the Northeast vulnerable, and it is in fact kind of an island because they don't have enough capacity uh, of natural to get natural gas into the New England states, partly due to the state of New York and Andrew Cuomo. See you later, you sorry bastard. I'm glad you're out of office because he he just towed the line for these NGOs and and agreed with them to prevent the construction of new pipelines despite the clear need for them. So uh, New England electric ratepayers are going to pay the, the the much higher cost for this. For this, they're going to burn more oil in the winter, which is going to mean more CO2, which is the opposite of the intent of what the NGOs say they want. So uh, there's much more that I could say on that. But yes, New England is a mess. All right, so I want to, I'm, we're going to have to go to a break here in about a minute, 45 seconds, but I want to put this out there for you to think about. I don't sure. see the entities that you've described earlier and what I've watched very closely for years as far as this transition having a foot in reality. They do not understand the economic impact on populations, especially vulnerable and working class people in this country. And it appears to me that this is very much almost an elite type of an approach without considering the real impact on people's lives. Now, are they truly saving us from ourselves? I'll interrupt you here, Bob, yeah. and I think that's exactly right. What, what we're facing is what my friend uh, Chris Kiefer, who's a, a ER doc in Toronto and a great advocate for nuclear power, Canadians for Nuclear Energy is his group. He, see, he calls them the climate aristocracy. That these groups that are that, are, that uh, environmental defense fund, Sierra Club, Natural Resource Defense Council, Climate Imperative, Earth Justice, uh, Greenpeace, they all all their offices are on the East Coast or the West Coast. They don't give a crap about Missoula or Des Moines or the people who live there. And these are the these are the elites. They went to fancy universities. They've never been to Branson. And they don't give a flip about the people who turn wrenches. And I, those are my people. Those are the people I care about. And this is the part that just chaps my hide, or as my late brother John Bryce said, grills my cheese. All of the policies they're pushing are regressive on the poor and the, and the middle class, all of them. And they don't, have any, they don't care because that's not their people. That's not who they get their money from. They get their money from the super elites, from the Michael Bloombergs, from the Lorraine Powell Jobses, the John Doers, the billionaires. And the billionaires don't care about electricity and that, or, or gas. Robert, we, 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 we are out of time for this hour. We have a hard break coming up. We'll continue in the top of the hour. Stay with us. Uh, more of Talk Back on the way. Auto claims not available. This is Talk Back, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM, KGVO. 
Missoula's news and weather station. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It is hour number two of Talk Back. Talk Back this morning is sponsored by Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery. For all of your New York favorites, Lox New York Cheesecake Cannoli's Delicious Bagel Sandwiches, located on North Reserve. And by Phillips Janitorial, got a mess to clean up. Hey, whether it's commercial or residential, no job is too big or small for Phillips Janitorial. Call 260-6617. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Okay, we are back on TalkBack. Bob Seidenschwartz joining us here this morning. Uh, Robert Bryce is on the phone with us right now. And by the way, uh, he does have a brand new book now out called A Question of Power, Electricity and the Wealth of Nations. And uh, the Power Hungry podcast also there. So keeps, he keeps busy. Let's put it that way. Robert, are, are you there, sir? I am, yes. Hi. Excellent, excellent. Now, we do have a couple of callers who want to get on with you. Uh, the first one we affectionately call Mr. Wingnut. So, Mr. Nut, you are on your, <laughs> you're on with Robert Bryce. That's not his birth name, is yeah, it? Yeah, no, no, I don't think so. All right, uh, Mr. Nut, go ahead, sir. Good morning. Uh, 45 minutes is way too short of time with this uh, gentleman. Uh, you, you know, you've talked about the nonprofit at NGOs, and I was wondering, uh, getting your views and your thoughts about the other part, the for-profit, like financial uh, institutions, the banks, the um, BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, and their, their use of ESG standards uh, or hostile takeover of board of directors to uh, that are hostile towards the fossil fuel industry. That's my question. Sure. Sure. Well, here's my reply on the ESG uh, standards that uh, the E stands for emissions and the S and the G are silent. Um, the ESG, is, as far as I can tell, is only about carbon emissions and nothing else. And I do mean nothing else. Um, and that's what we I think we see reflected in some of these standards and policies that are being you know, uh, promulgated by this mad push on ESG. But I think the, 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 the NGO industrial corporate climate complex includes the big investment banks, the big law firms, and of course the big corporations. Um, and now I'm going to say specifically, NextEra Energy, the world's biggest producer of renewable energy. Uh, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, whose subsidiary Mid-American Energy, is, and both of like NextEra, feeding at the trough with, with these federal tax, uh, tax credits, the investment tax credit, the production tax credit. Well, Berkshire Hathaway, of course, is a massive corporation. It can use it can't use all it can use all those tax credits itself, likely. But uh, some other of these companies, like a private company called Invenergy, which has been very aggressive in in uh, pushing renewable projects in the Midwest, particularly in, co- in in communities that don't want them, they're getting they're using the big investment banks, the big Wall Street commercial banks, to monetize those tax credits. So there is a massive amount of money at stake. And when you count the Inflation Reduction Act, the subsidies for wind and solar between now and 2030 are over $200 billion. So the, the yes, it's the ESC figures in a part of this, but make no mistake, the amount of money that is at stake and that uh, the uh, for the renewable companies, renewable energy companies that can get projects built, it's just staggering, the profits who, that they and, can make. But, but, but I guess what the question is, who cares if it works? We just want to build it and make money. Is that it? Exactly. Right. And they don't – and therein lies the problem, Peter, is that these companies that are doing this, they don't, they're not in charge of grid reliability. They could give a flip about grid reliability. That's not their job. They get paid – you know what Charlie Munger said at Berkshire Hathaway, show me the incentive and I'll show you the outcome. The incentive is clear. Build projects, get tax credits. 
period. How it affects reliability, affordability, resilience is not their problem. Tell you what, let's get let's get another call. Uh, Harry is up next. Uh, we only have him on for about another 17 minutes. So, uh, Harry, good morning. What's your question? Yeah, good morning. Yeah, uh, there's so much to talk about. Uh, the European thing, what their mistake was, that they, as they were switching over, they were relying on Russia. That that was, a, and they didn't rely, didn't, nobody thought Russia was going to be go crazy and invade uh, Ukraine. So, I mean, the, other than that, I don't, you know, how do you, how do you predict a nut, you know, somebody going nuts? But also, uh, the uh, idea that, you know, poor, the, these uh, NGOs are just terrible, uh, evil, want to destroy the country type crap is, I mean, it's, uh, obviously this guy is a Mr. Oil Man, oil company man. And that's fine, you know. He he's pushing the oil company uh, uh, ideas and stuff. That that's what's what, uh, Harry uh, Harry. What's your question, real quick? We only have yeah, that for, uh, for a few minutes. Uh, it's just that uh, uh, they, the he's they're forgetting about the reason they're doing all this is because of the global climate. I mean, the, to me, it's an uh, analogy of the lead pipes for water. Okay, it's going to cost a lot of money to dig up the uh, water pipes. But uh, and that's going to make people pay more money. But the lead is leaching into the people. Well, it won't kill them right away. The what are you going to do about Peter, the can, can global we, warming? Can we move on? Yeah. I mean, this yeah. man has no right. point. What He's about the global it. warming? That's what my big question. What about global warming? Okay. I know you made. Thanks. Thanks for the call. What about so, global warming? I'll yeah. answer. I'll answer your question. You're, you're attacking me personally, uh, based on nothing. What about global warming? Okay. Well, what about it? You live in Montana. And you, with a lot of other Montanans, how do you get to work? Are you driving an electric car? Do you care? Do you, did you heat your house with natural gas? You know, my, my response is very simple. Climate change is a concern. It's not our only concern. And we have to balance our response on climate change to climate change with our other concerns about energy security, affordability, reliability, resilience. And these are the key issues that are not being discussed. Instead, it's, oh, well, climate change trumps everything. No, damn it, it doesn't. We have to be very careful about what we do and how we, the policies that we enact and what effect they have on our economy and our most vulnerable citizens. And I will stand on that hill and fight it all day long. And yeah. instead of this, well, what about climate change? Okay, what about climate change? Let's talk about it. But we have to have a sober discussion, and we're not having it. We're going to come right back. Uh, quick time out now, 721-1290. We only have uh, Robert Bryce on for about another 20 minutes. So 721-1290 is our number. We'll continue this conversation after this time out. For over 100... We are back. Uh, Robert Bryce joining us uh, on the phone right now, and we only have him for about another 18 minutes. But we do have uh, Colonel Tim on the line right now. Colonel Tim Gardapi, good morning, sir. You're on with Mr. Bryce. Go ahead. Yes, good morning. Uh, yes, uh, Mr. Bryce, uh, I'll uh, comment on Jeff. Jeff also mentioned that you're a, a great uh, man of uh, maturity, sanity, and knowledge, and I'm uh, glad to talk with you here. Uh, one thing, I'd, I was glad that you mentioned uh, the word hydrocarbons, and uh, it's uh, my belief, uh, we've been talking about this for 50 years, ever since uh, the Saudi uh oil cut off and uh, gasoline jumped up to 43 cents a gallon. Uh, we talked about this in high school. Uh, it, do you think that the uh, earth uh, makes its own oil and natural gas due to uh, its own pressures and it's, and it's not uh, necessarily fossil fuel? It's done in an anaerobic environment. And uh, num number two, 
question is patents. Do you think that the oil companies hold patents that uh, keep our uh, energy consumption high instead of, for instance, getting uh, uh, 80 to 100 miles per gallon on certain automobiles? Uh, those are my sure. questions. Sure. Thanks, Tim. Well, I'll take the second one first. I, you know, I don't. I'm the wrong guy to ask about conspiracies. I think Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. Okay, so <laughs> this idea that somehow the oil companies, you know, got together and they bought up the patents for the super batteries, and that there, you know, we could have hundred mile cars if only, you know, something, something, something. You know, that's an interesting question coming from people in Montana because I've been in Montana, and what do I see on the road in Montana? I don't see Teslas. I see a lot of Silverados and F-150s and F-250s and F-350s and Rams. And why are those cars being sold? Because that's what the consumers want. And they can care because they can pull their boats and the rest of it. So, no, I don't see some conspiracy by the hydrocarbon sector. And the first question I think is really quite intriguing. And one that I think is uh, one that doesn't get enough attention is the deep, hot biosphere. Is the, is the Earth producing oil and gas in, in our, in, 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 uh, on a continuing basis? There is some evidence for this, and this is called uh, the deep hot biosphere, uh, popularized by a scientist named Thomas Gold um, and his book uh, on this. And uh, this has been uh, something, a rigorous debate for a very long time. Uh, there are some oil fields on the earth, on the planet, that they produced far more oil than they were ever supposed to, right? And that why that is happening is, is unexplained. So uh, I, I call coal, oil, and gas and the rest of it hydrocarbons because I think it's a more, it's a more, uh, uh, more discreet. It's a better, uh, better word, and I don't like using fossil fuels because I think it seeds the the ground to the other side, and by that I mean the 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 the, the energy um, uh, unrealists, the energy fantasists, and I think hydrocarbons is the right word. Robert, question for you: um, Help us understand the transition to renewables, electric vehicles, batteries is going to require massive amounts of energy coming from traditional sources in order to make the very things that people would desire as far as moving towards renewables. I do not see a conversation out there publicly that gives an honest understanding of how much is going to be required to make this transition. And that issues such as more mining and extraction yep. are going to have to be a part of the equation. How does that get buried? And from your perspective, give us your uh, give us your insights. Sure. Well, this is a key question, and I, I'll disagree with you a little bit, Bob, in that I think this is getting more attention, and especially over the last uh, year or so um, on the Power Hungry podcast. A few months ago, I had uh, Simon Misho from the uh, uh, Finnish Geological Survey, and he's done an amazing report on this, talking about the amount of mining that will have to be done to uh, achieve this, this, these claims around the energy transition. And his punchline is we would need something like for the first generation of wind turbines, solar panels, auto, you know, electric cars, the rest of it, we'd need something like 180 years of copper production, of current copper production, to make that happen. But I think the bigger story here, and the one that isn't getting enough attention, is the, when it comes to the minerals, metals, and magnets for all of this alternative energy, I don't call it green energy, alt energy, it's all, it all leads to China. The Department of Energy a year ago put in an amazing report, a very sober report, said something like 90% of the neodymium iron boron magnets that are used in electric cars and wind turbines are sourced in China. So we have an, not just an affordability, resilience, reliability question here that is very important. Those are all very important. But it's about the supply chain for the metals, minerals, and magnets, and all of those supply chains go through China. So 
what, what it, again, we need sobriety here. What we've been getting is a lot of fantasy, and what we desperately need is sobriety and talking about what does this mean really? And, and, and the mining part is a longer discussion than what we have time for here, but you're right. Not only will we have to mine more, the mining that we will have to do will be of lower ore qualities, which will mean more energy intensity, which will require yet more diesel fuel, and therefore this becomes an issue that means more oil production consumption to meet this, uh, this, these goals for alt energy. With that, we have another caller. Catherine is called back. Uh, Catherine, good morning, and thank you for holding your on Talkback with Robert Bryce. Go ahead, please. Hi. Um, I didn't know whether anybody mentioned this, but um, this uh, this month the Department of Energy um, has released a proposed rule that would essentially regulate gas stoves out of existence. And um, it, all of a sudden this, uh, this thing has come up so, saying that gas stoves are a horrible thing. Um, and I was wondering if your uh, guest could maybe uh, talk about that a little bit because, of course, most of us have gas um anyway thank you thanks for the call as well as every restaurant i've ever been to right well this is a, this is a really thank you this is a really important question and one that i'm, I'm happy to address because uh, uh the, the caller is right that in fact the, the sierra club last year sub- submitted a request to the environmental protection agency for a rulemaking that would have in effect banned the use of natural gas in in the home not just for stoves but it also would extend to natural gas heaters. Now, so why is this a bad policy? Well, first, natural gas is the cheapest form of in-home for in-home energy, right? It's on a, on the Department of Energy's own numbers show that it costs a third or less as much as comparable amount of electricity per million BTUs. Second, it's bad for energy security by putting more demand on the electric grid. We make ourselves more more vulnerable to disruptions on the electric grid. Um, but it also is bad for CO2 emissions. I mean, I could talk all day on this issue because it's so pernicious, but it's bad for CO2 emissions. Much better to use the natural gas directly in the home than to use it indirectly and turn it into electricity first and then feed it onto the grid. So this, these, this, there is, in fact, a lavishly funded campaign. I won't call it a conspiracy, even though it reeks of conspiracy by the NGO Industrial Corporate Climate Complex to force through these rules in the, uh, in, without a legislative vote, but do it through the administrative state at the federal level to prohibit the direct use of natural gas in homes and businesses. It's bad policy, bad for Americans, bad for the poor and the middle class. And with that, your timing is perfect. Uh, we're actually up against a break. We're going to come right back. Uh, Robert Bryce is going to be with us for another 10 minutes, and so we're going to mine that, uh, that opportunity as much as we can when we return right after this. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. 
brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting paralyzed veterans of America. I joined the Navy to serve my country while parachuting with my platoon. My parachute didn't open, and I broke my neck. Thanks to PVA, paralyzed veterans are getting specialized medical care and treatments, the jobs they want, and the accessible vehicles and homes they need. I just don't think my family would be as happy as they are without the support that I received from Paralyzed Veterans of America. Learn more at pva.org. Okay, we're back. Uh, just a few precious minutes left with uh, Robert Bryce, who's visiting us with us from Texas. And uh, so, Bob, it's all yours. Yes. Uh, go ahead. Rob, go ahead. A, um, I believe a, a recent blog uh, article out about the discovery of rare earth minerals in Sweden. But you make the point yep. that in terms of how much this is actually going to add to the equation as Europe wants to transition, it's a drop in the bucket compared to what they're still going to need to get from China. So we're talking about national security issues and globally how interconnected many of these issues are on multiple levels. Would you care to comment on that? Sure. Thank you. Uh, well, and yes, my, I wrote this piece on my Substack, And uh, if you haven't subscribed, it's free, uh, robertbryce.substack.com. There were a lot of headlines about Sweden's uh, discovery of a big deposit of rare earth elements. Um, it's near an existing mine in, in Sweden. And I'm, I made just a, uh, a few very obvious points, which is, Yes, this is an important discovery, but the 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 that's just been discovered. Actually, getting those those uh, those elements out of the ground, and these are called the green elements, the rare earth elements. They're on if you're looking at the periodic table, they're that first line below the main group. Right, they're separated. So neodymium, praseodymium, terbium, dysprosium. These are key elements that are in, in uh, that are needed for uh, wind turbines, uh, uh, solar panels, uh, in some cases, uh, 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 the 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 motors in electric vehicles. And who controls the supply of these? It's China. And the Department of Energy and the International Energy Agency have documented all of this. When it comes to not just existing supplies, but future refining capacity, again, the story is all around China. So, you know, we again, this requires a sober assessment of what the uh, alternative energy and trying to achieve a complete um, uh, 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 complete move away from hydrocarbons. What that will mean or attempting it, what that will mean is a supply chain that is almost wholly dependent on China. I'm not a China basher, but I think from just a simple national security, from a simple sanity standpoint, that is a bad idea. Well, and Robert, let me give you a a little example that I read, and I'll have you um, comment on. We have sanctions against Russia right now in a number of different exports. What we have not sanctioned are some critical mineral exports that come from Russia that are essential to certain industries in this country. And as I'm reading this, I'm going, oi, you know, this is how complicated the world gets. You're my enemy, but I still need what you produce, which is further, I think, rationalization for what you're saying here about dependencies. So it's guns and butter. Well, yeah, it's like, well, uh, you we know, live, I, we, we, we live in an interdependent world, Bob. I mean, yeah. that's just the reality. And this is particularly true when you look at the nuclear sector. So I'm, I'm adamantly pro-nuclear. If we're going to be serious about CO2 emissions and climate change, we have to be serious about nuclear energy. Unfortunately, we're not in the United States. But there's a realization now in the U.S. that the U.S. nuclear sector as a whole is very dependent. I forgot what the number is. It's like 30 percent or so of all the nuclear fuel used in American reactors comes from Russia. 
And the next generation of smaller, faster, lighter, denser, cheaper reactors depends on HALU, high assay, low enriched uranium. Who's a supplier for that? Russia. So how do we get over this? Well, again, it's going to take massive amounts of investment. It's going to take the U.S. government to declare national champions and subsidize domestic industries to to get away from this dependency on Russian uranium, Russian fuel, Russian metals, and also the Chinese supply chain that we just talked about. If I'm not mistaken, I think the Sierra Club leadership, and this has been quite contentious, has recently, within the last year or so, come out and said, look, if we're going to leap to reducing our emissions, we're going to actually need more nuclear energy. And that's something that previously had been completely off the table. So are you seeing glimmers of light coming from organizations that normally you wouldn't think would be supporting this? Well, I'm, I'm not familiar with what you said about the Sierra Club. As far as I know, they are maintaining their head-in-the-sand approach to uh, nuclear energy and have doubled down, in fact, on their opposition. So if, it, okay. if they have, then it's news to me. But uh, the groups that have not changed their tune include the Natural Resources Defense Council, which I think deserves to be criminally indicted for their role in the closure of the Indian Point nuclear plant in New York, which resulted in both higher CO2 emissions and increased consumer bills. And when I say criminally indicted, okay, I may so a little hyperbole here, but here's a group that says it's concerned about climate change. So, the, the, but I'll set all that aside, set all the stupid aside, and it's a lot of stupid. There is a growing realization and growing support across the United States and around the world for new nuclear energy. We're seeing a resurgence in Eastern Europe. We're definitely seeing it in Asia. There's a lot of potential here in the United States for new nuclear, uh, but they're going to have to come overcome a lot of obstacles. And one of the big ones is the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, which has been intractable in terms of, 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 of approving new uh, reactor designs and and uh, uh, that's a big hurdle for the U.S., among the other things that are, are the other challenges I mentioned with regard to fuel manufacturing, et cetera. Robert, we have you for about another minute and a half. So for people that have been listening today, you've put out several books. You have a blog. Uh, give us the information as far as where they can access that and anything else in terms of people wanting more information in terms of the work you've done. Great. Uh, well, so uh, only 90 seconds for myself promotion. I thought I was going to get 30 minutes here. So just, come on, man. No. Um, we'll keep look, you. I'm, very, <laughs> I'm easy to find on the interweb. Um, uh, I'm, I'm very happy with uh, being on Substack now, robertbrice.substack.com. Uh, I have the Power Hungry podcast. You can find that on all podcast outlets. It's on YouTube. I'm on TikTok, at Power Hungry. I'm on YouTube. I'm on uh Twitter at Power Hungry, PWR Hungry. Uh, check out my film, Juice How Electricity Explains the World. You can watch it for free on YouTube. Um, I love what I do. I'm passionate about energy and power, and I'm passionate about uh, affordable, reliable, resilient energy and power systems. And so, uh, that's my that's my purpose in my life, and I'm pursuing it as, as uh, avidly as I can, and I'm flattered that you all invited me to come and talk about it today. You have been a thoroughly delightful guest and a kick in the pants as well. We really appreciate it, and you obviously know your stuff. We would love to have you back anytime you'd like to come. Well, if I, as long as it's – well, I'm in Austin. You know, we, I bragged about it. We're gonna, I think it's going to be 80 degrees here, so uh, we'll bring my parka to Missoula, and we'll shiver together. How about that? <laughs> well, we do have a special gift on the way to you, by the way. So just want you awesome. to know. All right. Robert, it's, it's, it's been a great pleasure, <laughs> Thank you sir. so much. Thank you, and we look forward to our next visit, sir. Thank you. You bet. Thanks, y'all. See you. Bye-bye. We're going to take a break, and we have open phones coming up for the next half hour, but – 
There isn't any reason why we couldn't kind of stay on this topic. If you'd like to, Bob's going to stay with us uh, to add to the conversation. Uh, that number is 721-1290. We'll be right back with more Talk Back right after this. My name is Teresa Barber. I was in the United States Navy, and I served overseas in the Middle East and Africa. Early on in my career, I had a commander that taught our suicide prevention training, and the very next day, he took his own life. 90% of suicide attempts involving a gun are fatal. My way of continuing my service is to help protect my community by being a responsible gun owner and by storing firearms safely. Store all your guns securely. Help stop suicide. Brought to you by N Family Fire and the Ad Council. We are back on Talk Back. Uh, Bob Seidenschwartz joining us here in the studio this morning, uh, Montana World Affairs Council. We just got off a great call with Robert Bryce talking about all things energy and and uh, what's happening right now in this country. And, of course, he is very uh, learned and well-versed uh, well in that topic. Yeah, it's pretty clear this is his passion. And if you're going to bring it, you better be ready in terms of some of your <laughs> own information and understanding. And, look, I've had several conversations with Robert. He is not... In, he is not intractable in terms of his views. And he's not an ideologue. Uh, no, yeah. uh, he's looking at the practicality. And that has been one of my kind of abiding principles that if you want to make this grand future that you're proposing, please be fair and understanding of those who will be paying the highest price. And right. that was mentioned early on in the show. So you need to message better. We got a caller. You bet. Uh, Catherine is back. Catherine, first of all, thank you for holding. You're on. Uh, what's on your mind, ma'am? Oh, well, since it's open phones, um, I wanted to bring up something that I just read this morning that uh, the Ukraine is planning on going after a, uh, what's it called, Transnistria, which is a Russian enclave. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're planning on doing it by the 23rd. Has Bob heard anything about that? Uh, uh, Catherine, I, I have not, but I will take that to heart. Uh, tomorrow night at 6 o'clock in the UC Theater, uh, I will be one of the keynote speakers along with Gary Stubberfield, who's been on the show. We're going to be discussing the first year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And, and right now, Catherine, there's a whole lot of movement taking place amongst a number of countries. And I will... Look to see what that may be about. I am extremely concerned right now because there's an escalation that's taking place. And it's involving well, more and more countries that I see getting into the potential fray. It, exactly. And China is uh, starting to uh, get, um, you know, combine with Russia on this whole thing. In fact, China, I think, is about ready to release its own proposals for the Ukraine. Um it's yeah it's we seem to be just walking into world war three um and uh you know it just it, nobody seems to, to really understand that this is a very scary yeah unfortunately i do think there are people on both sides that do understand it if you really go from the origin of you know the invasion there's been this kind of increasing what you will do and what you won't do. And what we seem to be doing is continuing to cross certain red lines, whether it's on the humanitarian side, genocide, civilians, the economic issues, the type of military equipment. I mean, Russia has no qualms about literally taking a city down to rubble. That is an old principle and part of their military tactics. Men, men women, and children. Men, women, and children. Right. And if you look at what happened in Chechnya, with the capital, 
they literally reduced yeah. the capital of Chechnya to rubble. Yeah, that's true. They did. And I, but the thing is, the United States really should be standing back instead of, of, of fanning the flames of this. Um, the, the whole notion of us paying so much money to Ukraine and, you know, providing so many arms. Uh, it's just like, what the heck? Are, who's, who's in charge here? <laughs> it's obviously not uh, not somebody who has American interest at, at heart, I don't think. Um, this is this is this is nuts. It's absolutely nuts. So anyway, um, Catherine, thank you. And if you have interest, please come tomorrow night because we will be discussing these very issues. And my pledge to the audience is to be as thoughtful and as informed as possible while recognizing there's a lot that I don't know. Um, but to try yeah. to provide some insights to help people and, understand. And, it's, and so say all of us. And so say yeah. all of us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Catherine, thanks. Thanks for the call. All Appreciate right. it. Uh, well, let's. Uh, I think uh, Tim is. We have a Tim back on the line right now. Uh, another Tim, I guess. Uh, Tim, good morning. You're on Talkback. Thanks for holding, sir. What's up? Yeah, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. You know, a couple of things that I haven't heard anybody discuss. Where is Washington State going to get all their power from when they shut down Coal Strip? And the second thing I can't figure out is if we're going solar and wind power, how are we going to run the basic businesses at night with no battery. I mean, how many Everettis is it going to take to power up St. Pat's? And that's just a small building. Right. I mean, I, for like me, I can't understand this. Tim, this, this is a transition. I don't believe anybody, even on the renewable side, and let's take some of the more extreme elements out of the equation just for a moment. They get it. This is a decades in the making type of transition. And, and to your point, and I think Robert mentioned this, reliability and resiliency are the hallmarks of a strong economic system. You don't just unplug. And, and, and all the things you're talking about are hard enough in peacetime. But, but now, now we're in a situation where Europe is literally at war with itself. Well, here's a second, here's a second question I have. So the government's going to go along and... and Ask Tesla to open up all their charging stations for the Ford, Chevys, and everybody else. You know, when you buy a Tesla and you buy that quick charge, last time I checked, that was an extra $12,000 a car mm -hmm. to buy the 40-minute quick charge. So, I mean, if I was a Tesla owner, I'd be really upset at this because now anybody can hook up to the system that you paid for. Uh, Tim, these are the economic principles that guide ultimately whether you're going to be successful or not. And we've seen, especially when times get tough, the pricing on these automobiles is really not for the average American. So until that becomes a marketable price point that allows you and I and the rest of us to be able to possibly buy these automobiles, it's going to be a challenge for Tesla. And when you mentioned the government and these charging stations, you're still paying for it, Tim, even if you drive in traditional type of uh, gas-powered uh, vehicle. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And, and a while ago, you had somebody on, and I kind of figured out we would need, at least in Montana, at least probably 50,000 charging stations. You'd need them at state parks. You'd need them at high schools. You'd need them at parking garages. 
You would need them at rest stops. You would need them everywhere. Right. And that's just an astronomical cost. And where are we going to get all this power from if we keep shutting down power plants? I mean, we, we've increased. I wonder how much power draw Missoula alone has increased with all the apartments and housing that's going on. And we're just a small little city. Bozeman's got to be exploding in housing. Right. Where are they going to get all their extra power from? Well, I, I said something very early on in the uh, conversation. We didn't really elaborate on this, but Biden is quietly walking back some of his uh, principles that he had stated early on in his administration as the economic reality of all this is crashing down around him. And he has an election if he makes it. Well, you have to remember, too, he, he actually walked back the fact that, oh, maybe we should have done the Keystone Pipeline. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, you have to separate well, the rhetoric from reality right, sometimes right, yeah. and really stop and pull back and not always be ready to jump into the fray because you see some things that are happening right now that are tied very much to what's happening in Europe and Russia, and we got to go to a break, so let's do that. All right. Thanks Thanks for the call, sir. We appreciate it. We're going to come right back. We have George, Marilyn, and Ed all wanting to visit with us. We'll keep it going right up until 10 o'clock. Uh, this is uh, open phones, but kind of, you know, kind of segueing towards energy. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to talk about that, we'll be right back after this. This is your captain. We are going to be experiencing some slight turbulence. Please fasten your... Oh, hold on. Just got a video of my cat. Imagine the pilot of an airplane was as confident as you are texting and driving. Seems kind of crazy when you put it like that. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Okay, we're back on TalkBack. 721-1290 is the number of Bob Seidenschwartz here in the studio. Uh, continuing our open phones segment and lots of folks waiting. George, thank you for holding, sir. You're on TalkBack. Please go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, and thanks for having that guest. That's, uh, I just caught the end of it. Uh, sounds pretty interesting. Uh, did a quick look up on him. Uh, he seems quite intelligent and uh, looks at uh, all sides. Uh, that's my first hunch. Like I said, I only heard part of it. Um, we're all in this together, and I've been saying this for years on this show. And, uh, you know, we need to consider the other point of view all the time. And, um Anyway, so I want to say thanks for having that guest, and I look forward to investigating uh, that guy more because um, it's not an easy problem. Um, uh, the main thing that I took away uh, that that well that I I think of the whole conversation is um, the old way of the energy is over. We need to figure out something new, and yes, we're not going to get rid of the old way immediately because we're built that way, but we we're all starting to recognize, I think, that there's a problem and we need to fix it. And so we need to all work together. And that's not just locally, it's state, it's national, it's global. So that's the first thing. And when I think about my kids and, you know, maybe grandkids someday, you know, we need to uh, look at our own energy use. And if there's a place in your day-to-day -day life, today even, uh, to use less energy, you know, make that choice because it ultimately is up to all of us you know, and our energy choices. And, you know, I had a consult for uh, solar panels on the roof and it uh, wasn't as bad as I thought. And, uh, you know, that there would be that much, le that much less energy, you know, just using it from the, the sun. And I, I've heard all the other arguments about solar panels, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it would be 
it would be a contribution that I could make. Um, anyway, that's what I had to say. Um, have a good day, I guess. Appreciate the call, sir. Thank you. Uh, and George, thank you for your thoughtful comments and parallels very much what I think I've been also saying for many years, which is as much as I may disagree with Nick, I do need to consider his perspective and his reasoning. And the same thing is true with Russia. There, He's smiling over yeah, there. Yeah, if, you, if you'll step <laughs> step aside for a minute. Don't and, disagree with Nick. He's always right. And Nick's a good guy, but, you know, I'm sure if we had a couple of beers, he'd probably go, I think you're a nut job, Bob. But uh, the... One of the things I have observed is energy efficiency is laudable and should be a goal. But people's desires for quality of life and standard of living have to coalesce with that energy efficiency as well. Let's uh, continue on. And this is Marilyn. Marilyn, thanks for holding. You're on Talkback. Thanks for holding. Yeah, so there's always a lot I want to say. But so Al Gore, does he shut his lights off every night when he uh, leaves a room? Uh, I do, and I'm a little peon out here. But my um, the open phone. So the other day we were talking about you know we how people got to watch their words and the things that they say and political correctness and how totalitarian is taking over you know our lives. Well, and you guys mentioned, I mean, I love this guy today. Yeah, we need him back. And, yes, I'm already going to check out his podcast. So um, Russia, China, they're atheists. They hate God. They're anti-family. They don't care if they destroy their population. And that's who we've got running our world now. I don't care if Joe Biden can say he's a Catholic baloney. He's... <laughs> Anyways, we've got to get back to, you know, creation... The God of this world created our Earth, and I'm glad this guy mentioned hydrocarbon instead of fossil fuel. I've always believed that was a lie. Um, there's a lot here, and yeah, we are. Russia and China are gonna. They want America to bow our knee. They want our lights to be out, and we better wise up here and teach our children the truth and get back to God and the truth of the Bible and not be afraid to say the truth and that's it all right marilyn hey, it's always a pleasure ma'am thanks for the call uh but by, by by the way um when when someone says is china our enemy how would you respond to that bob i mean as as a nation uh china the nation usa as a nation is china the enemy or our enemy right now they're not acting like a friend let's put it that way yeah i mean <laughs> And they, I, yeah. Nick, I think you just nailed it. They are a competitor. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. They want their place in the world. They have their national interest, and they have not necessarily what could be, I wouldn't say world domination, but they want their place at the table. And they don't want to be bowing a knee to the United States any more than the U.S. wants to bow a knee to China. Now, having said that, there's a lot that both these countries work together on right. behind the scenes. There's a lot of conversation that is not privy to public disclosure. We have a lot of similar interests. The challenge is when we don't have those similar interests, where do we find common ground? And that can be applied to other situations as well. Okay, we're going to come right back. We have Ed, Harry is back, and Jeff. We're going to come right back after this one-minute timeout. Join Mark. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, 
they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's, it's our roads. roads. It's, it's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Lorraine knew she wanted to adopt a teenager from foster care. I love teenagers. I think it adds an element of fun because you can really do activities as a family that everybody loves. The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption believes you're never too old for family. More than 20,000 children in the U.S. are at risk of aging out of foster care without a family. Learn how you can help at DaveThomasFoundation.org. Hey, we're back on Talk Back, and uh, we're just getting ready to wrap things up. We have about eight minutes left in our time together, and let's continue on taking calls. Ed, good morning. You're up first. Yes, uh, Mrs. Ed and I like to sit down now that we're tired and read the Missoulian, you know, at the kitchen table and trade parts and everything. And in the past uh, couple days, uh, maybe a couple days ago, they they ran a great series of articles, two articles, really long and detailed on the nuclear uh, power uh, business, the off-the-shelf small ones, the bigger ones, ones they're going to build in Kimmer, Wyoming here. That's probably going to be the next one uh, built. Bill uh, uh, Gates is behind that, uh, that project. But in any event, I would advise people to read those two long installments. They're really good and really explain things well. Uh, but uh, you might have to do it online. I, I'll bet not too many people take the hard copy anymore because the price used to be $59 a month. You got the digital with it, but if you wanted the hard copy, $59 a month, they raised it to 92 $92. And when that starts happening, I'm just going to take the paper off your porch. So make sure, <laughs> yeah. make sure you bring it inside because well, it's become very well, valuable. Instead of por- porch pirates, there'll be paper pirates. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's, you better have a camera. That's $1,100 per year. Yep. Well, they, they can have it delivered uh, with an armed guard to your front door. Just How's call that? me yeah. and, and I'll read it. Used to make, the paper used to make a clunk when it hit the porch. Right. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make a, a feather doesn't make a clunk when it, it hits the porch. Uh, so right, in well, any event... They, they, they have done the best they can with hard times, that's for sure. Oh, I know. I, I know. And I think what they're going to do is phase out the uh, hard copy. I think they have to because so many people are going to going to drop that 92, especially when you can get digital for twelve ninety nine. Wow. Ed, you know where you can okay. read the news for free? Newstalkkgvo.com or on the free KGVO app. So there you go. I do it. I do it. I do say. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, you guys. I, I, Nick, Nick just put his shoulder out of joint, just patting himself on the back. <laughs> All right, thanks for the call. Let's go. Uh, Jay is up next. Jay, good morning. You're on Talkback. Thanks for holding, sir. Go ahead. Yeah, good morning. I am uh, wondering why the Jeanette Rankin Peace Center has been so quiet. You don't see anybody on the Higgins Avenue Street Bridge with a bunch of signs protesting our involvement in uh, this European debacle in ukraine right right okay you know, that's there, a very good question you, you, you should you should call and ask him really quiet. well i'm a i'm a retired marine and I, I i'd rather not go down there and ask him i would what i'm trying to get to is that maybe other people ought to start asking the questions especially those that are always supporting them uh, I just find their silence to be really interesting. 
That is a very interesting yeah. question. I might give him a call and ask him. I, I might just do that myself as a news person. There you go. All Thank right, you man. very much. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, but- for, thanks for the idea. Uh, Harry is back. Harry, go ahead. What's on your mind, buddy? Yeah, good morning. Uh, again, uh, the, the, I agree that this going to... Uh, the, sorry here. Uh, the point that uh, I was trying to make earlier was that I always hear just the, uh, the negatives. People always say, well, I'm for all the above, but then they just say, well, solar bad, wind bad. But but oil good. I mean, you know, they, I'm all for above. But then they just keep pointing out all the and there's a lot of uh, shortcomings on all all uh, um, ener- sources of energy. But they always want to skip over the the shortcomings on their side. I mean, like the nuclear. Okay, yeah, and it's nice that he pointed out that you know the nuclear fuel coming from Russia. But then how about all the uh, rare earth minerals that's going to go into the, the nuclear th- field, I mean, uh, nuclear plants. I'm sure they'd take a lot of it, just like every other computerized thing is. But they, you know, so I'll they sort of say that, you know, the uh, uh, rare earths for uh, car, electric cars and uh, uh, solar. But, um, you know, this idea that it's going to be, be happening tomorrow, too, it's going to be, like, say, a couple decades thing, if not longer. And Bob, being a money man, it's going to cost money. Everything costs money. But how much is it going to cost if what they're pointing out with the uh, uh, global changing, the we, we might have to start importing all, most of our food because all agriculture is based on reliable uh, weather patterns, which are not being reliable anymore. I mean, the, the, are we going to be paying the uh, Penny wise and pound foolish, or I mean, Harry, you always come up with the most interesting scenarios. (laughs) Yeah, well, I just try to project out what's going to, you know, the possibilities. I mean, if if what they're saying is going to happen, it's going to cost a lot more to rebuild uh, cities that get wiped wiped out after you know hurricanes and stuff. So, all right, I'm just Harry, want to point out certain stuff. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Let's get back to Jeff. Jeff, we got two minutes. Go ahead, sir. What's up? Hey, good morning. I'd just like to, uh, first of all, say thanks again for having Robert Rice on. He was a breath of fresh air. And that I think there's an old maxim that says, better to keep your mouth shut and be without a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. <laughs> um, and, and I think that, and I try to live by that. I mean, I don't always succeed, but... Um, I think when people come to this program, they need to bring facts, not ad hominem attacks on people. Well, this person just wants this or, or that ephemeris they out there that they want to do this or they want to do that. There is no they. There's only we. And big problems are hard. They're difficult. Mm-hmm. They're complex. We saw that with COVID that, you know, um, do we shut down the economy to shut that to, you know, for two weeks to, to slow the spread? And we saw what shutting down the economy does. There was not a simple solution that was going to fix the problem. And, uh, and then everything that, that came out of that that uh, just resulted in, in more fracturing and splitting, we have to come to these discussions with facts and have the discussion rather than saying he said, she said. And, and, and maybe, maybe just a little bit of kindness just a little bit of understanding, a little bit of, you know, uh, giving, giving way, maybe listen to somebody else's opinion. Uh, I realize that's, that's heresy in, in this world of media right now. But uh, a little bit of kindness and learning how to say the word nuclear. 
would go a long way. <laughs> you, almost, you almost made it. You almost made it. Well, if yeah. the audience could do that, Peter, that, would be a happy man. <laughs> Nuclear. And to add to that, I would say a dose of humility. I mean, there's a uh, uh, savvy saying, it was an old book, uh, cowboy sayings, western sayings I found years ago. And there was one in there that I've always remembered, and it's, you can be wrong. So um, if we come to our discussions with the fact that we may be wrong and have the humility to, to admit that, then uh, we're able to change our minds. Jeff, we're always right. We are, we are completely, we we're completely out of time. Bless you. Thanks for your call. Tomorrow, Nick. Uh, we're going to talk with Speaker of the House, Matt Regeer, and then we'll talk with Lieutenant Sean Manraxa some more about uh, drugs. Stay warm out there, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 for Montana Morning.